episode-by-episode podcast review of CBS's action-adventure series, MacGyver. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. And I'm Richard Wells. And today we'll be tackling Season 5, Episode 19, Hearts of Steel. The original air date for this episode was April 9th, 1990. It was directed by Charles Carell. And it was not written by The Factory. It was written by Rick Middleman. All right. Yeah? Yeah. Because it's not, it's it's not factory direct. It came through a middleman. Uh, why don't we discuss this episode of Brief? In this episode, we get the return of Mein Bialik as Lisa Woodman. Right. And she, uh, in a case of mistaken identity, has her friend kidnapped while they're out of the mall. Right. And uh, MacGyver comes in to help negotiate uh, the ransom. Right. And do we start on her um, at the mall? We actually start with a weird scene of MacGyver at his house. And oh, okay. uh, and uh, uh, Wilt comes in to ask to borrow his newspaper, and then right. just kind of like pokes fun at MacGyver for for playing hockey at his age. Yeah, I was like, okay. Yeah, they were really trying to make this Wilt character stick. They had him at the beginning and ending of last week's Lost Amadeus. Yeah, just like bookending the story without having anything to do with it really, and then here he is again. I guess just showing that, he, that there are other people who live at the marina. Right. Um, which was never, like, a concern for me. Yeah. It's like, okay. It's like they're done jamming the Coltons into episodes, and now they're just mm-hmm. like, all right, let's start working on his neighbors. I think maybe because it was, like, the 90s now, and, like, all these sitcoms have, like, the, the neighbor. The cookie neighbor, yeah. Because yeah. Cause even, like, Roseanne later on, like, like Roseanne always had friends, and always had, like, fr- people that she met up with at work and things like that, but then all of a sudden they started introducing, like, neighbors, yeah. And, like, that just became a thing, like, we need to introduce new characters. We'll have them be neighbors. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. It's just, it just seems like a very sitcom-y thing to do. But other than being, like, pathetic and incapable, there's not really a character trait to the Wilt that yeah, sticks. Yeah, exactly. He, he's not benefiting MacGyver. Yeah. Like, like Urkel obviously benefited the show. Because he, would tr- he was teaching them patience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Family Matters is pretty deep. It's, 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 <laughs> check out season nine. Oh. Or check out the podcast Family Chatters if you really want to be entertained. Uh, so anyway, we yes. then cut to Lisa Woodman and her, her friend Ingrid. I want to say it's, it's, her last name was Coldberg. Okay. Um, because that was like the – we never get her official last name, but her mother's last name was Coldberg. Right. So we can all just make the – I'll just make the assumption. Yes, here. that's fair. Um they're they're kind of just like walking around a mall and they're being a little uh, just ki- they're being kids yeah. like they're going on trying on clothes like clothes over their clothes yeah uh, to and then of course like someone a couple like uh, store clerks give them the the eye like you know you kids what are you doing and they shuffle off to the next store they uh, they wander into a music store mm-hmm. and uh, they she, do the typical like dance to a song you can't hear because we haven't picked what's gonna play yet yeah yeah. <laughs> Um, and at some, well, while they're trying on clothes at one point, uh, Ingrid and Lisa trade jackets. Right. Um, and that's important. Lisa started wearing a purple jacket and mm-hmm. Ingrid ends up wearing it when they leave the store. And this is important because outside there are two, two little henchmen kind of just kind of keeping an eye on them. Right. And, uh, their characters are, are Kirk and Malinsky. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so they're, they, they're able to ID Lisa from her purple jacket, but as they come out of the store, they now they're just following the jacket. Right. They're, they're not even paying attention to the fact that the girls look completely different. Because to them, all white people look alike. Yeah. Huh. Uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> so they end up in the record store, and uh, Lisa throws on some song and just cranks it up real mm-hmm. loud and just starts dancing to it. And Ingrid's embarrassed and like joins in for a second, but yeah. it's mostly just like doesn't want to dance. But everyone in the store is like, "What are these crazy kids doing? What are they doing in this music store?" Uh, yeah, it, it's. I, I can think it's it's just trying to be like to show that these are kids having fun and everyone yeah. else is just stuffy around them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Especially the guy who's just like picking through the records and shaking his head while he looks over mm-hmm. at them. Ugh, children. I come to listen to classical music. Uh, so as the as like the sore, uh, uh Malini and Delaney, uh, sorry, Malinsky and Delaney, uh, grab who they think is Lisa. They come in and they grab Lisa and Ingrid again, mistakenly thinking that Lisa is the one in the purple jacket. Right. They throw Ingrid into their uh, child abduct- abduction van. Right. <laughs> the, the, your your typical uh, windowless van. Yeah. And uh, they lock Lisa Woodman in a, a like a maintenance closet. I wonder if the, whoever designed the windowless van feels really guilty about all the children that have been kidnapped via it. Yeah, it's it's like oh, it's so great because you won't have to worry about windows. Yeah. Uh, all those pesky windows that have been bothering you <laughs> when you drive around. You know, like looking out the back of your car. Right. Don't you hate it when you look out in your rear mirror and you see a window? Yeah. Um, the actor playing Delaney here is Charles Andre, who he was Tony in Back from the Dead, which I think is the guy who sells him the gun that was the priest in hmm. the uh, in the church that sells him the gun through the, uh, the confessional booth. But then he also came back as Carmine in uh, The Battle of Tommy Giordano. Okay. Yeah. So he's just your typical goon. Yeah. Uh, so now we cut to, uh, Lisa Woodman's father, Eric. Right. Uh, Not the same guy that played her last time. Yeah. I thought that, you know, I was, I was wondering about that and I was like, this, this is a different guy, right? Yeah. It is a different actor. This is actually the guy that played the husband from birthday. Um, oh, okay. Was, like, the convict. Yeah. yeah. Oh boy. Birthday. <laughs> so they, they, they had him play a sort of shady character in the past. So they were like, eh, we could bring him back for this guy. And, uh, He'll he'll come back as this character in Twenty Questions, mm-hmm. but he's not the same guy that played Lisa's father from Ceasefire. Uh, if you guys ha- haven't remembered the episode Birthday, go back and revisit it. Yeah, it's just <laughs> driving around in a warehouse. Yeah, that, for a whole episode. That is it. It was incredible, <laughs> an incredible experience. Joe Lambie. Um. So uh, Eric Woman is uh, working on some kind of deal, and of course uh, his assistant comes in with just a like an undescript box <laughs> and it's like oh gosh what's gonna be in yeah. the box <laughs> you're expecting a finger or something mm-hmm. but they open it up and it's just the jacket yeah, yeah. it's a jacket with uh, instructions of course never to call the police like do they really think that they're never going to call the police yeah don't do it what if someone else called the police along the way like the person who answered the door to a bunch of goons yeah or like how about when Lisa was found is found in the maintenance closet obviously like I would call the police immediately and say something has happened. Like you can't control this flow of information this right. way. I think it, I think it's a really ran, people who ransom out there, you know, kidnappers. Yeah, it's a really it's a really unrealistic request to not involve the police. Yeah, just make that part of your plan. That's what I would do. Yeah, just prepare for police and just interference. Uh, so well, would have been following the instructions. Instead, calls MacGyver. It's just as good as the police. Yeah. 
Sometimes he is the police. Yeah. Deadly <laughs> dreams. He just gets to sit around with the police and pretend like he's one of them for an episode. Uh, so, uh, Woodman starts to have Neil basically liquidate all his assets to pay to pay a potential ransom. Right. Because obviously, no price is too great for his daughter. Um, and as a uh, Mac arrives, he says, "Did you call the police?" And Woodman's all, "No, I didn't call the police. It said not to." He was like, "Call the police." Yeah. <laughs> Um, and he asks um, him to ask for a specific detective, Detective Rome. Right. Uh, Lieutenant Rome. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Well, I, I said detective, but it, you're right. It is Lieutenant Rome. Yes. Um, and, uh, he was the sheriff in Invisible Killers. Yeah. Uh, Blue Mankuma. There's no reason he could have been the same sheriff character, right? Yeah. Uh, Maybe well, I we're mean, too far away now. Yeah, I think, I, think, I think we're too far removed from uh, the Invisible Killer. Okay. Uh, and... Uh, Meanwhile, uh, Greta, who's Ingrid's mother, is also, like, concerned about her daughter, of course. Right, and she's who, dressed as, like, a French maid, like, yeah. she, like she bought her outfit at a Halloween store. Yeah, I, I was like, is that how maids really dress? Is this, is that still a thing in the 90s? Yeah. Um, is made in Manhattan, like, because, you know, we, we see, like, the typical maid's uniform now, which is just yeah. basically, like, a nondescript, like, like, like almost like a pantsuit. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but she's wearing like a full on like black skirt with lace. like the thing in her hair and yeah. everything. Yeah. like the paper tiara. We, st- we start to get a window into why the Woodmans were, were so close to divorce at one point. Yeah. This is, this is like this a clear gorgeous thing. housekeeper woman <laughs> that's dressed in a French maid outfit all the time. And uh, is like literally French, right? Or she's, I mean, her she, name's Greta and her daughter's yeah, Ingrid, so they're probably German. Or... Yeah, yeah, I was like, yeah, German or Austrian. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so, meanwhile, at the mall, Lisa is discovered in the maintenance closet and she, she demands that the guy who found her take her to her house. Yeah, and the guy's like, it's, it's, he's not the guy that locked them in there, so yeah. he's like, totally terrified like he doesn't really know what he walked into yeah it's like but she's shouting demands through this locked door at him yeah yeah and and plus like now now you have like a child who's like been kidnapped and is missing and the potentially the police are looking for and now you're just going to drive her around in your van yeah also he's late for work now he's arriving to work yeah um i think it's a pretty good excuse though (laughs) i got a note from the police saying that i'm a suspect in a kidnapping yeah (laughs) no Suspect is the wrong word. Sorry, person of interest. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so at the house, the police, uh, Lieutenant Rome, is there, and they're getting ready to run a trace on a phone call for when the uh, uh, kidnappers do call. Right. And they go through this really elaborate thing to show how how the tracing works, as if that was necessary. Yeah. Like, well, we're running a computer trace, and they like they do an example, like a test run, to make sure that they get the yeah, phone number and the address. This is definitely not the first time that America had seen a phone call being traced, yeah. so it's not really necessary to do all the build-up. It's like, wow, we have that kind of technology where we can trace where a phone call comes from? Yeah. Uh, and so I was like, okay. Uh, but it's, it's your typical trace thing where you need to keep them on the phone for forever. A certain amount of time as digits like slowly get locked in place. Um. Which is which is silly because later on, I mean, uh, you know, we watch episodes ahead. There's gonna be a scene where someone literally just has caller ID on their phone. Yeah. And and it's like, oh, don't worry, we got the number. But he's got the the guy was only on the phone for like two minutes, like, yeah, or, or like two seconds. It was like, 
Well, yeah, because caller ID was a thing. Yeah, caller ID worked instantly. There's no way it took this long to get a phone number. Also, if you get like six digits, that narrows it down drastically. Like, yeah. Or five digits even is like should be enough to trace the call if you are a guy who runs a factory that shut down and fired a bunch of people that mm-hmm. would be angry at you. So Lisa now arrives at the house, and of course, uh, Eric Woodman is overly delighted to see her and and. And of course, Greta wants to know where Ingrid is. Right. And uh, you know, they said that they took her instead. Right. But now Eric is kind of like, oh well. Okay. Now I'm less uncomfortable involving the police and yeah. sorting this whole thing out. And and also uh, probably a little less willing to cooperate. Right. <laughs> with giving them millions. But they make of this dollars. seem like he's such a bad guy for doing this, and I feel like Mayim Bialik is just wrong the whole the whole way through this episode. She's just wrong and. I totally side like as a father I feel like I would be in the same position it's like yep I'm willing to give up literally everything I have to get the kid back and then it's like well it's someone else's kid and it's like that's as much my responsibility as it is anyone else's in this yeah. room like MacGyver are you going to sell your houseboat and get this woman's kid back uh, Lieutenant Rome are you going to quit your job and give this woman her kid back mm-hmm. like the, I don't understand why everyone's looking at him like well obviously you're going to pay for it right Yeah. it's like what <laughs> no why why do I have to pay for it uh, so uh, MacGyver takes uh, Lisa Woodman back to the Phoenix Foundation, and we once again get the like the the facial recognition software kind of thing going right. on. Yeah, where it, it's 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 just it's like it's a, a while to trace a phone number, but we can instantly track a face. Yeah, exactly. Like Lisa is like describing the uh, the face on the computer system, which has like maybe thirty to forty different facial features yeah. that you can choose from. Um, and the picture we end up with doesn't even look that much like the guy. Yeah. I mean, it never does, but... Uh, so we get a call from the kidnapper. Actually, at least this time, the printout looks like the face that was on the monitor. Yeah, exactly. Last, last it time, it, like they hit print, and then a completely different face came out yeah, of the picture. Just a photograph of the man. Yeah. comes his headshot from... Yeah. from Someone the... just hand-drew a picture of the guy. I'm not really good with faces. <laughs> <laughs> I have face blindness. <laughs> He's like, I got this. I call this guy the Chef's Hat Killer. <laughs> you ever seen that Norbert Donald sketch? I don't think I have. He's like, he's like a police sketch artist, um, and they keep catching like apparently they, like he's telling the story of how what he does, and like they keep apparently they keep catching the wrong people because he just can't draw faces. Good. Yeah, he's like, he's like, yeah, I'm really bad with hair, so I kept drawing hats on people. That's why they call him the Chef's Hat Killer. <laughs> he's like. You know, I like, bet I can find the link to that. I'll put it yeah, in the like, show notes. He's like, yeah, they found this guy. He had a big scar on his face. Oddly enough, the witness described, didn't never describe the scar, but I thought it would look cool. <laughs> I love Norm MacDonald. Uh, so the kidnapper calls in and uh, uses, uh, you know, always the, uh, the the classic voice, voice-altering uh, little microphone. That right, makes... which indicates that this is a person whose voice he would recognize. Right. So it's probably someone he worked directly with at the factory where he laid off hundreds of workers recently. Well, well, see, here's the thing. I think Eric Woodman is the type that wouldn't even recall the Yeah, man. probably not. But this guy seems to think that he would. So mm-hmm. it's at least implying, hey, guess what? I'm someone who talked to you a lot mm-hmm. at your job that you fired. Uh, he wants $3 million. Um, and it's, he's to, to bring it to Observation Park and leave it by a flagpole at midnight. Yeah. Uh, and of course there's not enough time to complete the trace. And, uh, so, uh, Lisa wants her father to pay the money to get her friend back. Right. 
Um, but he's kind of like, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. And yeah. If these people get away with $3 million and return the girl, that's not the end of his problems. <laughs> like, yeah. They could just turn around and kidnap the girl again, and they get another $3 million. Like, yeah. That's the reason that you don't negotiate with terrorists. Like, mm-hmm. But Mayim Bialik is just like, I don't understand. Why won't you buy me this friend? It's only $3 million. <laughs> and it's like... No, that's not that's not what's happening here. Kid sister. You don't understand. <laughs> Kid like, sister. if I paid that money to get you back, I could move like out of the country, and then you would be safe. Mm-hmm. But I can't do anything if I'm just buying your friend back. Well, and three million would easily cover a Denzel Washington esque uh, man on fire bodyguard to protect her. The exactly. Whole time. Yeah. Uh, but he does go through with the drop, um, which I'm assuming is just uh, is fake. Yeah. I'm also impressed at his, like, without being prompted or instructed by the police, his ability to go along with it and not be like, well, what are you talking about? I already have my daughter back. Yeah. yeah because, he, like, he, no one tells him to do that yet because the the phone call happens so quickly after his daughter shows up that he doesn't even have time to prepare. But he's just like, yeah, okay, I'll do anything you say. Okay, yes, all right. Yeah, and, well, he, he is at least intelligent enough no, not to tip their hand that he that they have the wrong Yeah, girl. yeah. Um, but obviously the kidnapper is not intelligent enough to go and actually make sure that they actually got the right person first. Right, yeah. Because uh, it's not like the little girl knew who they were trying to kidnap either. They could have just been like, what is your name? My name is Ingrid. We have the wrong person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, she wouldn't know to lie and say, my name is Lisa Woodman. <laughs> um, so... Uh, at the Phoenix Foundation, MacGyver and uh, Lisa continue uh, and get their get the facial recognition, um, and they have like a little heart to heart about uh, her relationship with her father, which obviously is still still kind of roughly in the same situation that they were during uh, ceasefire. Yeah, but that was her mother and father, you know, getting ready to get a divorce. But still, the issue of like a lack of communication between the two of them. Yeah. Um and. Uh, this is where now we get we get to the actual steel mill where Ingrid is being held, and we get to see all the kidnappers together. So we got Delaney Malinsky and Mike Travers, who is the lead kidnapper and former owner of the steel mill. Right. Um, this is the first time, of course, that he's laid eyes on his kidnapped victim and is immediately like, that's not her. Yeah, this is the wrong person. You idiots. What are you doing? Uh, but but now But they also make the connection that if... This isn't her, and the guy was stringing them along. Then they must have her back, right? Yeah. Be- like that, he 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 puts two and two together. Like they're they're now they're trying to play them, and then they're probably going to try yeah. to trap he, them. He doesn't know for sure that he had his daughter back when they had that phone call because she could have still been locked in the That's true. mall. But by now, he says by now they would have found her. Like mm-hmm. the morning crew would have found her in that stairwell. There won't need to be. I was like, I don't know. That place was pretty dark down there. Yeah. No, I'm, she's probably still there. I mean, we can go back and check. No, we can't. That's a terrible <laughs> idea. Uh, but now they're going to use uh, Ingrid as bait to try to catch Woodman. Right. The actress playing Ingrid, by the way, is uh, Angela Costain, who uh, mostly voice work on her IMDb page. But one of the credits that came up over and over again was Nabiki Tendo from uh, Ranma. Oh, okay. She was Nabiki Tendo's voice for the English dubs. I, I don't know Ranma well enough to know who that is. I don't either, but she was in like hundreds of episodes, so I thought uh, it was worth bringing up. If our friend Matthew is listening, uh, 
he can he can explain it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, Woodman goes through with the drop, and uh, and uh, the police and MacGyver are all there, and uh, and and Lisa has like a moment to, to apologize to her father for for kind of her being a little irrational. Yeah. Um, but also like to be careful and try to try to do his best to get Ingrid back. Right. I feel like Mr. Woodman gets unfairly judged in this episode. He, he gets a lot of Cause guff. he gets so much crap for that one scene where everyone's just standing around like, I don't understand. You're the only person here with $3 million. Just pay to get this girl back. Mm-hmm. Even though the police would obviously have stepped in and said not to do that in that conversation. And, and you would then theoretically have two indentured servants. Yeah. But then there's like, they, they cut around the room and like MacGyver's like, Ugh! How dare you! And yeah. then cut to Lieutenant Rome. And he's like, "What's wrong with you, dude? Just yeah. pay the money." And it's like nobody would be looking at him that way. <laughs> nobody would be advising. Like, even if it was his daughter, they wouldn't let him put three million dollars in a in a briefcase and right. leave it somewhere. Uh, as he gets to the drop location, there's a there's just a note that says observatory. Right. And uh, Mac and everyone heads up to the observatory which is nearby the park and of course there's ingrid and she has a message for him saying that they have the leverage right which of course he knows is a business term meaning that they have that's so frustrating (laughs) like everyone in the room is like what does that mean and then the guy like as if he's the genius is Mm going to present it to the horror it's a market term it means they're in control MacGyver just taught a whole classroom full of children what leverage is. Like, yeah, he yeah. knows what leverage is. <laughs> Everyone knows what that word means in that sense. Like, I don't understand why this guy had to translate it from marketing speak. Yeah. What does it mean? Leverage? Yeah. Uh, but the implication is, I traded girls, so yeah. now you actually have to pay me the money. No more <laughs> of this counterfeit stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, and more. And more of it. Yeah. Because uh, this was all a ruse for them to have uh, attacked the house. Right. So, well, they've lured Which everyone away. Which would have been the worst possible thing to do. It would have been swarming with police officers. Luckily, only one. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, there's only one. And one, somehow, one sleepy police yeah, officer. Apparently, they were able to overpower him in the hallway. But they get back to the house. The front door's wide open. There's mm-hmm. an unconscious police officer in the entry hall. And the maid's been tied up. Right. But that was unrelated to the kidnapping. Right, right yeah. That's just how it, Mr. Woodman left her. <laughs> I'll be right back. Just keep yeah. this ball in your mouth. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, the actress playing uh, Greta is Marilyn Gann, who we had as the queen in uh, Halloween Nights. Okay, okay. Yeah. But it, this whole scene, and I mean, spoiler alert, it doesn't come into play any later in the episode, but I was so sure that she had set this up. The maid? Yeah. Oh. That she knocked the police officer out from inside the house to let them come in and take the other daughter so that she could have her daughter back. Because she was so upset in the room when they were all looking at him like he was a jerk. That would have been a crazy twist. That's how I thought it was going to end. And and that nobody asks her to describe the goons that came and took the daughter even though she was a con- she was conscious and mm-hmm. in the room. And they're just all sitting... The next, the next scene is them all sitting on the couch with... With Ingrid saying, yeah. what did they look like? You have to describe them to us. And then the maid is sitting right there. And mm-hmm. nobody asks Greta what they looked like, even though Greta saw them just as much. Greta's got too much death thing to do. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, they, they start questioning Ingrid about... Um, they kind of do, like, a, 
uh, like not imagination therapy. I'm trying to think. Of, there's a there's a term for what he's doing, like where he's trying to have her imagine the location of where she was and try to describe it so they can kind of sure, get yeah. a feel for it. Because he finds a some uh, steel shavings sticking to her shoe. Yeah. And so he thinks, well, he, they must be in some kind of industrial area. Right. Perhaps the steel mill that I just had a hand in shutting, shutting down. down. No, no, no. It couldn't be that. couldn't be that. Um, the phone rings again, but this time it's Lisa's personal phone. As if it made a difference because the police can't get a trace in a short time anyway. Um, uh, Woodman wants, of course, proof that she's alive and you know, proof of life, so she just puts her on the phone real quick. Yeah. Um, but now they want $5 million. Yeah, I'd have to say, like, they didn't go crazy with the money. Like, yeah. And, they, I mean, he could have very, very much have asked for 10. Well, we don't know what Woodman has what as disposable worth. income. Maybe this guy has a better idea of the of the limit to this charge. Mm. Uh, uh, but now he's, like, not doing it with his uh, voice identifying uh, device. Right. He's now, like, literally just talking to him. And uh, and they end up pulling off the the blindfold. Off Lisa Woodman, yeah. Because and usually that's a very bad sign. <laughs> yeah. When your kidnappers take off your blindfold, it means they don't care if you know what they look like anymore. Because you're not going to live to yeah. tell anyone what they look like. Yeah. To give to give a vague description to a computer. Yeah. <laughs> didn't help last time. We didn't have blindfolds on when we kidnapped your friend. Uh, but of course, uh, Delaney and Malinsky, who are former steel workers themselves. Right. Uh, they're kind of like, whoa, hey, boss. This isn't, like, part of the plan. Uh, but Travers is now, like, totally obsessed with, like, embarrassing and wanting to kill Woodman. Yeah. And I guess kill his daughter. Because yeah. why not? Uh, so MacGyver comes back with, apparently the, the facial recognition thing did work because uh, they were able to ID Delaney and they tied him to uh, some violence with a steelworker strike. Uh, so now they have the steelworkers and steel shavings, and so they start looking for steel mills. Right. And I mean, how many steel mills has this guy just shut down and put people out of work for them to need to look more than one place? I mean, he closes like five down a day. This is like, yeah, it must be. It's like Flint. <laughs> <laughs> uh and, of course, now MacGyver's piecing it together that this might be a personal vendetta against Woodman. Yeah. And uh, and, and the only person who makes the connection is his assistant, is Neil. He's the one who goes, hey, didn't you shut down a steel mill recently? He's like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you did. I'm telling you that you did. And If you insist. <laughs> you would know better than I. Why? Why would I know that better than you? Um. So, yeah, Neil seems to believe it might be this guy, Mike Travers. And... Knows everything about the steel mill. Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, so... But then the phone rings and just Travers just sells movies anyway. So, it's like... Just to confirm your suspicions, I am Mike Travers. It's like, are, do you have a bug in the house? Yeah. It's so crazy. We were just talking about you. My God, are your ears burning? <laughs> uh, yeah, so he wants uh, Woodman to bring the money to the steel mill that he closed down alone. So, that's what he does. He... He heads out alone. Uh, yeah, he, now that it's his daughter again, he's not involving the police. Mm -hmm. He's trying to follow through with what they asked him to do. So uh, MacGyver, running on his independent information about the steel mill, gets there first. Right. Uh, 
he climbs a fence and like he falls off the other side yeah pretty hard yeah it did not look like that was scripted no and uh but he but he plays it off like ow okay gotta keep going yeah <laughs> uh so uh delaney and malinsky are still arguing about the fact that uh the girl can id them and uh this of course gives macgyver ample time to to sneak around while they're kind of yelling yeah and he climbs around this is like a really one of those weird macgyverisms where it really just seemed like it was too much, but he 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 just makes a rope and lassos a hook and just kind of like Tarzan swings down to knock out this guy. Right. Uh, and and it's one of those things where he just like the the the, the attack just completely knocks out the guy. Yeah, they don't have to follow up with him like tying the guy down or anything. It's mm-hmm. just one knock and the guy's out. Uh, in the meantime, Travers is kind of like calling for the guy that MacGyver just knocked out. Right. Um, and uh, when he goes up there to check on him, of course, MacGyver's moved the body. Right. And uh, and when Travers just was like, ugh. Like, this guy. This always guy. wandering off his watch. Um, so he grabs Lisa himself. And uh, and meanwhile, like, Malinsky is bringing the, the getaway car around. And conveniently, there's a gigantic electromagnet hovering right above them. Yeah. Uh, he pulls up underneath it. He's like looking up through the window. Okay, yeah, it's am like, I right? Yeah, okay, perfect. We're right underneath it. Yeah, it's like MacGyver's got the controls. Clearly, someone's got to hear this machinery working because this is an abandoned steel mill. It's not yeah. functioning, so it's not like you don't have the ambient sounds of steel being worked. Yeah. Um, it would the echoing of of the just the mechanics of this thing rolling down the. Yeah. The the length of a mill. Even the engine running by itself would just be like, like they would hear this. Um, see, I thought what was going to happen was MacGyver was going to turn it on and sweep it over them so that uh, Travers' gun was going to get like thrown yeah, yeah. into the air and then collect the car. Like when he stole the briefcase in the, was that like the second or third opening gambit? Yeah, yeah. It was from, the beginning uh, of from Golden the Trial. Yeah. yeah. Second episode. Um, that would have been a much more interesting thing because he, he picks up the car. Uh, he might have been able to steal the, the money that way, too, if it was in a briefcase. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so he picks up the, the, the getaway car, um, and uh, Lisa just kind of runs, and, yeah. and Travers heads out after her. Uh, in the meantime, now Woodman has finally arrived at the mill, and Lisa's trying to run to him, but uh, Travers like fires a couple of warning shots. Yeah. And into her head. No, that doesn't happen. <laughs> uh, Mac then has to try to talk Travers down, uh, but Travers wants the money not for himself, but to give it to the family of the workers, right? Who were all laid off. That this is their their uh, compensation, right? But after the five million, he doesn't need anything else. That's yeah, all he needs. that's all he needs. Um, and but this paddle ball <laughs> and, and that's this all thermos. But MacGyver says that the steel mill could be reopened. Right. It's like, I don't know. This place looked pretty abandoned. Yeah. Like, you might, you're going to have to build a, a new mill. No, no, no. Let's use this same crappy, dilapidated mill. Let's hire all these wannabe felons mm-hmm. that uh, would be, like, turn to kidnapping to yeah, make yeah. up for the money that they lose in, in steel millery because they're totally useless as employees. <laughs> Uh, of course, Woodman says, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll reopen the mill. Why not?" Sure. Sure. Now I'm now I'm being forced at gunpoint to reopen a mill and mm. operate it 
at a loss <laughs> until I just have no money so that these incompetent people can keep their jobs at the steel mill. Yeah. Obviously, Travers, isn't this your fault? Like, you ran your business into the ground. Yeah. Uh, I bought it, closed it down because it wasn't making money, and now you're mad that you weren't making money on your own. Yeah. Uh, but Travers ends up surrendering, uh, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's like, okay. You know, you... He I'd rather pay you the five million dollars very slowly over the course of the next well, no, it's like twenty years that it takes you to grind this company into the floor. Obviously, Travers is not going to be running the company. He's going to jail. I hope so. <laughs> I mean, like he's not going to just like go. Oh yeah, you can run your steel mill again. Yeah. No, because they are because they're being arrested in the next scene. Yeah. <laughs> they're all being loaded in the squad car, and just uh, for questioning. Yeah. Uh, and Woodman is just like, yeah, I wasn't really going to open the steel mill. Because that's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> and Lisa's all, what? You wouldn't? You lied to him? Yeah. I he, lied to him? He kidnapped you and <laughs> held you for $5 million ransom. Yes, I lied to him. <laughs> what, what would you think I would do? Would you rather I told him the truth and he just shot you? <laughs> that I wasn't going to open the steel mill again? <laughs> kind of wishing that that's what I had done. <laughs> uh but so Lisa's like, like I can't believe you. You're a liar, and then, and then like Whitman's all, okay, I'll look into opening it. Okay, fine, I'll open the steel mill. Yeah. We're now in the steel. I'm a steel magnate now. Yeah. Are you happy? I'm gonna run the steel mill that was losing me money. Uh, for no reason. I it's not gonna benefit the men who were here today asking me to make them a promise. Yeah. Um. By the way, the guy who was running it, who knows anything about the steel industry, we just arrested. Yep. So now we're going to have someone with even less experience running the steel mill into the ground. I have a feeling this is one of those situations where, well, the Phoenix Foundation had a steel research team that we needed. Yeah. Oh, you know what? We have this new Reardon steel. We can just start running uh, at, at peak efficiency. Yeah, yeah. Suddenly it's going to be profitable for you. Like at the end of, uh, was that The Outsiders? Where they were like, oh, you know, we have this new way to reclaim marshland. Yeah. And we're going to help you build. <laughs> uh, well, whatever. Um, the story of this episode kind of reminded me, I, I don't know if you've heard this, but uh, while he was shooting Mimic, uh, Guillermo del Toro's father was kidnapped. Have you heard that? I had never heard that before. Um, he was kidnapped in Guadalajara and held for ransom. Um, and... Guillermo del Toro had spent all of his money trying to get the movie made, so he didn't have any money. But he was friends with James Cameron and had spent a lot of time like living out of James Cameron's guest house. Mm -hmm. And James Cameron paid like a million dollar ransom to get Guillermo Jeez. del Toro's father away from these kidnappers. But they would have killed him otherwise. Yeah. Oh well, yeah, because it's Mexico. Yeah, it's Mexico. That's just that's such a crazy problem there. Anyone who has any kind of money or is connected to anyone with any kind of money. Yeah. Um, is at high risk for kidnapping. And I guess as soon as they, he got his father back, like he moved his entire family to America. He was like, yeah. all right, we're not going to deal with this anymore. Uh, that's a pretty crazy story. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this episode, I mean, it's a pretty by-the-numbers MacGyver episode, it I would is. say. Um, I, I'm always glad that uh, Mayim Bialik is back on the show. Yeah, and, yeah, we're, yeah. and we're going to get her again in the next season. Um, but... Uh, I, I just felt like, I don't know, it, it just seemed really forced to try to make us not like her father. Right, yeah. And, and he then, really gets a bad rap here when he's 
for the most part, acting with the same motivation, and he's doing exactly what everyone else would be doing in his yeah. position. Uh, it's yeah, it, it, and the ending is way too happy. Like, hey, not only did I get my daughter back, but we're gonna reopen this factory and give everyone their jobs. Everyone's back. gonna get their jobs back. It's like he didn't close it just as a goof. Like he closed it because it was losing money, and probably a bunch of these people have already found jobs. So now he's gonna have to staff up a steel mill mm-hmm. from scratch. Like it's not like all of these guys are still unemployed. He didn't right. close the mill down yesterday. He closed it down months ago. Or looks like longer than that. This place yeah. looks pretty, pretty out of uh, out of shape. Yeah. But either way, reopening the steel mill is not going to really help anybody. Mm-hmm. It's it was certainly going to cost more than the five million that ransom he just paid to his for his daughter. For it's sure. Like, yeah. It's like how about instead of opening the steel mill, I just give you the five million. Yeah. Because that seems like it's going to be the better deal. Yeah. Tell you what. I'm going to reopen the steel mill, and you're never going to that school for girls ever again. Yeah. You're going to start going to public school, and you're going to live off of food stamps because I have to spend all of my money running the steel mill at a loss. Ingrid is your mother now. Yes. She was she was kind of your mother before, but... <laughs> Maybe. I mean, I was trying to find a better way to tell you. <laughs> this is why you're, you're my wife and I fight about this you. This is why you and Ingrid look so much alike. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like don't also, tell your mother she doesn't know that she's not your mother. Um, I Somehow. also I also feel like this is like a hardcore setup for Blossom, like her and Ingrid. It's like very much like her and Jenny Van Oy, uh, uh from Blossom. I don't even know the story of Blossom. I mean, oh, okay. I, was, I was the right age to have seen it, but I never saw an episode. Well, well basically, like Blossom's just like a young girl, um, and her best friend is like this, like. Super nineties daughter of a maid, and she's a steel well, man. No, I think I think she's just a she's just a neighbor. But but the whole thing, like with like their like nineties style, right? Yeah. Um, and just like BFFs, like I was like, hmm, I think they're I think they're grooming Bialik. Not to say like that that was the point of what they were doing. I was like, I think that as Blossom came out, they was probably, Blossom CBS. I'm not actually sure. Yeah, but it does. I I agree with you. It does have that feel to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, again, okay episode, uh, just MacGyver helping out really. He, yeah. He, he doesn't do, I mean, other than like knocking out like one, one or two guards, but, uh, he, he's pretty much just kind of like a fixture of what's going on around him. Yeah. An unfairly judgmental fixture. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's about it for this one. Um, if you guys have any thoughts you want to share with us, you can find us on Twitter at Opening Gambit. You can find us at facebook.com slash phoenixfoundationpodcast or our website, phoenixfoundationpodcast.com. And if you're digging the show, feel free to review us on iTunes. Tune in next week. We're going to be covering Season 5, Episode 20, Rush to Judgment. And thank you for listening. Thank you. Thank you.